Let's check out our video to learn about what God is going to teach us today. Paul was a believer whom God sent to tell other people about Jesus. Paul spent many years traveling and meeting with people to share the good news. Sometimes when Paul was away, he would write a letter to Christians in a city to teach them or remind them about what is true. Paul was in Corinth when he wrote a letter to Christians in Rome. Paul's letter to the Romans explains what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul's word encouraged believers and showed them how they should live every day. In one part of his letter to the Romans, Paul wrote, Friends, I want the Jews to be saved from their sins. I pray that this would happen. I know they want to please God. They try so hard. But they do not believe that people can only be saved by trusting in Jesus. This is the truth we must tell other people. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul said it again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Paul explained why it is so important to tell others about Jesus. Before people can trust in the Lord, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about Jesus, someone must tell them. And before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. Paul shared the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Some people hear the good news and do not believe. But Paul said again, faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus, and people hear the good news when we tell them. Just as Jesus came into the world so that people might come to trust in him and be saved from their sins, Jesus has sent the church throughout the world to tell others about the salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So today, Paul is teaching us what it means to be a Christian and our great mission that we have to tell other people this good news about Jesus. Now, this good news, it's in two different places in our bodies. It's number one, it is in our minds. It's something we think and believe. And it's also in our mouths. It's something that we say, that we confess. To confess something, not like confessing our sins like we did earlier, but to confess something like we did the creed. To be able to say what it is that you believe. To confess that Jesus is Lord. That's particularly what Paul is saying that we are to confess. To say that he is our Lord. To say he's the one who we submit our lives to. That's not something that's easy to do all the time. But to say, God, you are my Lord. You're not just my God, but you are my Lord. You lead me. You guide me. You rule over me. I want your will to be mine. I want my will to be yours. I want to follow what you would have me do. And we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. To know that death does not have the last word in this world. That our Savior has, has conquered death, has conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil. He's conquered the grave. And that was proven on Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead. Now to believe this, 
to really believe this is just something more than what we think about or even something that we feel about. To believe this truth means that it starts to change who we are, what we do, what we say, who we spend time with, and what we spend time doing. When we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, it changes us. You can start to see the change. Other people can start to recognize the change in you. Paul writes this. He says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This life of a disciple involves both of these. You really can't take belief and confession and separate the two. Right? They're two sides of the same coin. They go together. You can't separate them. Now, Paul says that with the heart, one believes. We believe. Now, sometimes in Western thought, we tend to think about, like, what it is that we have up here, what's upstairs that, that really matters. And in the Hebrew world, though, it was the heart was kind of the center, the, the whole of the person. What it was in their gut, what they believed, was their control center. It's our prayer that as you spend time here at St. Luke's, as you spend time digging deeply as moms and dads and families into the Word of God, that He would get into your heart and begin to change who you are to make you better moms, to make you better dads, to make you more obedient children, to be more faithful sons and daughters of God. And then Paul says this, this really weird thing that really sounds strange to me. He says this, those people who have Jesus in, in their minds and in their hearts and confess it with their mouths, they have really, truly drop-dead beautiful feet. I mean, think about your feet. And, and some of you now, I'm sure some of you have gorgeous feet, like probably pedicured, painted, beautiful, callous-free. Those are not my feet. That's not my feet. Paul says this, How then will they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And here we find the need, the great important thing, the mission that God, that Jesus particularly gave the disciples, which means not just the 12 disciples, but all of us, because we're his disciples too, he gives them this mission. The church calls it the Great Commission. Because we work together in this mission. It's to make disciples of all nations, teaching and baptizing them. Now, it's not the great suggestion. It's the mission of the church. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you follow Jesus, you love Jesus, then this mission belongs to you as much as it does to me. That it is our job as people who believe in Jesus to tell other people about it. And how we do that in this time and in this place is by awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. Now, I want you to imagine what it would be like if our mission is successful, that this entire community would be transformed by the power of Jesus' love. A completely changed. And Paul, he does some reverse engineering for those of you who are engineers in the room. He says, he says this. He says this, that, that first, 
People have to call on him in order to be saved. But before that, before they can call on him, they have to believe in him. And before they believe in him, they have to hear about him. And before they hear about him, someone else has to be sent to them. That's the you and me. We have to be sent to those people so that we can confess with our mouths what it is that we believe in our hearts. And he says, you have beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Now, I imagine that, that if we were to take the grossest foot in here today, how many boys and girls think your dad has the grossest foot? Some of you, one of you is probably correct. Now, good news, dads, we're not going to have a foot off out here. We're not going to see who has the grossest feet. But I want you to think about the grossest foot in this room was probably beautiful compared to the grossest feet back in the Bible days, right? Because back in, in, in the days of Paul, Paul, as he was a missionary going to every place, every different city, sometimes he would take a boat to get to that city, but most of the time he would spend a lot of time walking. That's how he would go. No cars, no segways, no bicycles. He would walk. And in this walking, he'd be wearing sandals because sandals were perfect for breathability, a lot of air circulation, but they were horrible for dirt. And the roads were all dirt roads. And so he was getting filthy feet that were probably scarred and scratched up and calloused and blistered and dirty and muddy and stinky. And it's this kind of foot that Paul says is beautiful. And here's why he says that. He says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now this word good news is the same word that we translate and understand as the word gospel, which we understand the good news of salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, right? But here's what that gospel word means. Some people hear the word gospel and they think, well, that's a, that's a strange church word. But before it was a strange church word, it was a military word. It was a word that was used in battle. And so when two sides were fighting in a war with each other and one side was clearly going to win, like victory was almost about to happen, the victory team would send one person back home to let everybody at home know the good news that victory was just about to happen, that victory was theirs, that they were on the winning side. And so here comes that soldier running into town, running back from war, so it's all kinds of scratched up and hurt and, and blistery and callousy and dirty. But he brought with him such amazing good news that they had won, that they were victorious, that he was what we would say is a sight for sore eyes. And they couldn't wait to hear the good news that he had to share. So Paul says, the feet of those who who rush home to say that Jesus has been fighting this battle against death and Satan and has won. There's good news. We are the victors. We get to run back and tell everybody back home the good news that Jesus has won and that we are winners because we believe in him. And regardless of the shape or the condition of your you carry that good news message of victory how beautiful, how beautiful your feet are. That's what Paul is getting at with this whole beautiful comment. Now, sometimes it can be hard to share this good news. There's 
kinds of reasons that get in our way from keeping us from sharing. Sometimes we, we're not Sometimes we're just afraid that maybe we just don't have the right things to say or, or we're not trained in, in theology or trained to be able to do that. Maybe there's somebody else that's better off to do that. Or sometimes we get afraid that maybe the people won't believe what we have to say and they'll laugh at us or think poorly of us or we get embarrassed. And sometimes maybe it's just a lack of compassion that we don't think about the well-being of our friends and our family members who don't know Jesus yet. And for whatever reason that keeps us and holds us back, I want to give you three things that help kind of lock in the importance of doing this. Number one, we are to remind ourselves that we needed to be and have been saved. To remind ourselves of the great good news that we know and that we believe. And number two, once we remind ourselves, we reflect on that. We think about it over and over and over again. What's that impact of that salvation on my life today? On my life for eternity? And you start to get this big appreciation for what God has done. And then the third one, after you remind yourself and you reflect on it, then you rejoice. You give thanks and gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Now when you reflect, when you, excuse me, when you remind yourself, when you reflect on it, and when you rejoice in it, it's right on your mouth. You can't wait to tell other people. And when somebody who's never heard about the love of Jesus hears about the love of Jesus because of what you have shared with them, the gratitude that they have for you is immense, and they will probably say, your feet look gorgeous. There's a lot of feet in this room today. There's a lot of mouths in this room today. There's a lot of hearts in this room today. And there's a lot of people out in this world who need to hear what you, not me, what you have to say. 